This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 78. In this episode, I will tell the story of a classic ultra, Strolling Jim 40, that has been held in Tennessee for the last 43 years. This month, the course record that stood for three decades was finally broken. Wow! And now a word from our sponsors. Please help this podcast continue by subscribing or renewing Ultra Running Magazine with a 25% discount. For each, some proceeds support this podcast and cover my many costs. Go to ultrarunninghistory.com slash mag. That's M-A-G. ultrarunninghistory.com slash mag. We now return to your regular programming. The Strolling Jim 40 held at Wartrace, Tennessee is one of the top five oldest ultras in America that is still being held to the present day, 2021. It is a road race that runs on hilly, paved, and dirt roads, a brainchild of Gary Cantrell, also known as Lazarus Lake. Because the race distance is a non-standard ultra distance of 41.2 miles, it perhaps has not received as much publicity as it deserves among the current mainstream ultra-running sport. But buried within is a storied history, along with a seemingly unbreakable course record set in 1991 by Canadian Andy Jones, one of the greatest North America ultra-runners who most of the current generation of ultra-runners have never heard of before. The classic Strolling Jim 40 came back into ultra-running focus during early May 2021 when Andy Jones's remarkable record was finally broken by Zach Bevan of Lexington, Kentucky. The story of Strolling Jim must be told, along with the progression of its famed course record. Who was Strolling Jim? Strolling Jim was the first Tennessee walking horse to become a national grand championship show horse for his breed. He was first trained to pull a wagon and a plow until he was noticed by a well-known walking horse trainer, Floyd Carruthers, who owned the Walking Horse Hotel in Wartrace, Tennessee. Carruthers thought the horse had potential and bought him for $350 and started training him. They bought him. They thought it would take a long time for him to get uh, ready to show. But before the end of the season, he had won 13 straight blue ribbons, including the World Grand Championship at the, at the first celebration. He went on with a very successful show career around the U.S., retiring in 1948 in Tennessee. He died in 1957 and was buried by his stables behind the Walking Horse Hotel in Wartrace. In 1979, Gary Cantrell of Shelbyville, Tennessee, was an accounting student at Middle Tennessee State University. He was a veteran of eight marathon finishes and wanted to run an ultramarathon. But at the time, there were few being held in the South. So he decided to put on his own ultra for his Horse Mountain Runners Club, who trained around the Wartrace, Tennessee area. John Anderson, age 29, a sub-three-hour marathoner from Bell Buckle, Tennessee, remarked, Gary and I wanted to run an ultra-marathon, 
so we decided to put on our own. We got out the maps and lined out a course. At first, I thought it should be called the Idiot's Run, but I believe Gary came up with a more appropriate name. They decided to start strolling Jim Forty in the town of Wartrace, nicknamed the Cradle of the Walking Horse. It starts in a, a town called Wartrace, mm-hmm. and then uh, along the way you go through Normandy, which is one of the bigger cities along the way, but you also go through areas of Bell Buckle and Bug Scuffle. <laughs> so, as the names imply, it's just a, a very urban-type yeah. setting for the race. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cantrell said... The course is mostly hills, and I believe for a runner to finish the race, it will be less than what's in the legs and more of what's in the mind. It is about 90% mental. Runners will have to run with the course rather than at it. The news reported, The race will be anything but a stroll. The 40-mile loop begins near the wellhouse that guards the old sulfur and mineral water source near the middle of town. The course winds through the rural Bedford County communities before heading back to the finish line in front of the Walking Horse Hotel. Along the route, numerous hills will furnish torturous entertainment for the ultra-marathoners. Cantrell was surprised that many wanted to run the difficult race. Six or eight doctors will be in the race, and that sort of surprised me. You'd think of all people, they'd know better. Cantrell had been training about 10 miles a day and a 30-mile run every other week. His wife, Mary, was also among the entrants. She had been training up to 70 miles a week and said, I began doing more training than Gary was, and I thought to myself, well, if Gary thinks he can do it, then I believe I can too. I guess I just got caught up in the excitement of it all, and maybe I'm a little crazy. The inaugural race was held on May 5, 1979. A pre-race spaghetti dinner was held the night before at the 62-year-old Walking Horse Hotel. Bluegrass musicians furnished entertainment during the dinner playing guitars, banjos, and fiddles. The hilly figure-eight 40-mile road course, actually 41.2 miles, ran 75% on paved roads and the rest up and down gravel roads. It climbed about 2,300 feet along the way. The most infamous part of the course was the walls section near the 29-mile mark that consisted of 3.5 miles of steep, rough, rocky roads. Cantrell described, This section has it all, precipitous climbs and descents, a rocky and muddy surface, and even a creek or two to jump. The paved roads were by no means easy. Most of them were in need of a lot of repair and hard to run on evenly. For that first year, Cantrell used streamers to mark the course and set out water jugs every five miles. But crews were also required to drive along and provide support. 22 runners started that first year and only two had finished an ultra before. Peter Solima, a NASA aerospace engineer from Huntsville, Alabama, took the lead, hit the marathon mark in two hours, 45 minutes, and finished first with four hours, 31 minutes. The only women finisher was Mary Cantrell in 7 hours 25 minutes and Gary finished 10 minutes later for his first ultra finish. Only two runners did not finish. Despite the difficulty of the race, with 90 hills, Strolling Jim Forty continued to have a high finishing rate the next year in 1980 when 21 of 22 starters finished. 
The winners were again Peter Solima with a new course record of 4 hours 23 minutes and Mary Cantrell with 6 hours 46 minutes. In 1981, Solima accomplished the three-peat by triumphing again in 4 hours 36 minutes by a wide margin. A cow in the road held up the race that year for a few minutes. Solima continued to develop as a dominant southern ultramarathoner. In 1982, at Strolling Gym, Solima was leading after 23 miles but felt an unusual health problem that caused him to drop out. He said, Things started going downhill from there. Running kind of saved my life. When you are training every day, you know exactly what your body can and can't do. He was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, underwent chemotherapy, and thought he wouldn't be able to run for a year. But after two months of doing well, he was given the green light to resume training and running in shorter races. He said, This is something I'd like people with cancer to realize. I was able to run a little slower, but I was able to run and run races. Solima returned to Strolling Gym in 1984 and finished in 5 hours 57 minutes. He also finished a 100-miler that year with an impressive time of 17 hours 30 minutes. His cancer went into remission, and he continued to run ultras until 1991 when he finished fifth at Strolling Gym with 5 hours and 6 minutes at the age of 45. In 1983, Strolling Gym grew to 61 starters. The day before the race, Cantrell conducted a driving tour of the course described by Steve Jaber of Mill Valley, California. A procession of about 12 cars on the road is unusual here, and everywhere we stopped, people came out of their houses to see what was happening. Gary Cantrell was in the lead car, and he would stop every so often to make important announcements such as, a major hill starts here. Some aid was provided that year by the race, but crews also drove along, offering liquids to all runners. Even local spectators were out in their trucks with water and Gatorade. Cantrell had a great view of the front runners riding in the lead car. He knew it would be a good race that year and said, The only problem I can foresee is keeping the sponsors out of the beer kegs until the runners finish. <laughs> At the finish, Cantrell presented each runner with a card that had their time and place on it. An awards ceremony was also held, followed by a post-race feast. A record 55 runners finished in 1983. By 1985, Strolling Jim was attracting elite ultra runners who had their eyes on breaking Solima's 1980 course record of 4 hours 23 minutes, which had a special status among southern ultra runners. Many had tried to break it before, but no one had come seriously close. But Tom Zimmerman, aged 27 from Minnesota, came into the 1985 stage. Zimmerman was a solid 50-mile ultra runner. Also in the strolling gym field of 72 runners were dominant southern ultra runners Ray Krolowitz of South Carolina and Steve Warshower of Georgia. Krolowitz, as usual, blasted into the lead with a first mile of 6 minutes 33 seconds up several hills, followed by Zimmerman, 9 seconds back, and Warshower, another 13 seconds behind. At that point, Zimmerman shifted into another gear and left the field behind. A bull chased Solima and Warshower for about a half mile at 6.15 pace before it, quote, crashed and burned on the side of the road, another victim of the tough course. Cantrell wrote, 
As Zimmerman ripped on toward the walls, he ran off and left the field so far behind that even his aid crew couldn't keep up. He stepped on the gas and flew up the walls well under record pace. But with the temperature above 80 degrees, Zimmerman sagged, and he continued to try to press hard. When he hit the blacktop two miles from the finish, the record was still in his hands. But two miles can take an eternity, and those two miles were too much. He finished in 4 hours, 23 minutes, 29 seconds, just 17 seconds over the record. 10 yards past the finish, he collapsed in a heap and requested fluids. He said it was the most painful race of his career. The 1987 field included a dozen runners who had run a sub-240 marathon, sub-6-hour 50-milers, or both. Many of them had high hopes, and Zimmerman was back with a focus on breaking the record that eluded him two years earlier. Cantrell reported, It was the favorite, Tom Zimmerman, who made the move. Apparently satisfied with his study of the competition, he set out to see who was ready to play hardball. As Zimmerman powered effortlessly away, the tight pack strung out in line. Others tried to catch him, but by mile 20, Zimmerman was ahead alone, passing the halfway mark in two hours and one minute. Heading toward the finish, he powered through the walls and overcame the final 10 kilometers of hot road without shade. The merciless sun bore down on him. Scorching, searing heat blasted him from the road. Something gave, then it gave a little more. Next thing, this awesome machine that had whipped over meat grinder hills like so many highway overpasses was struggling along at eight minute miles. But he did it. He finished with a new course record of four hours, 15 minutes, 22 seconds. Episode 52 covered the running career of Charlie Trayer of Redding, Pennsylvania, who was one of the greatest short-range American ultra-runners of the 1980s. In 1988, he brought his go-for-broke speed to Strolling Jim and was the pre-race favorite, even over defending champ and course record holder Zimmerman. The two dueled hard, but Zimmerman's experience with the course, especially through the walls, helped him cruise to the win for the second year in a row with 4 hours 16 minutes. Treyer returned to Strolling Jim the next year, 1989, even more determined. Zimmerman could not defend his title because of a stress fracture, so Treyer was the clear favorite. He charged to the front as usual. Sparks flew from Charlie's feet as he continued to scorch the road. He reached 10 miles in 57 minutes 20 seconds. But by 17 miles, Steve Warshower passed him, starting a classic battle running sub-six-minute miles. At mile 22, Treyer went back into the lead. Warshower closed the lead to 40 seconds at the walls. The race was decided on the most brutal section of the course. Twice Trail surged, and twice Warshower responded. Cantrell wrote, Charlie's trademark is a hard-working style and a seemingly imperiousness to pain. He threw himself into the walls at a furious pace. Treyer pulled away and set a new course record by only one second in 4 hours, 15 minutes, 27 seconds. Treyer returned in 1990 determined to defend his title, but also there was Sean Crom, a civil engineer from Reno, Nevada. Crom was the reigning ultra runner of the year with wins at Leadville 100 and American River 50. 
Treyer and Washauer dogged Crom's steps the entire way at Strolling Jim, but Crom opened gaps on the hills and pushed ahead of record pace. He said, I ended up going out really fast and was surprised no one came with me. I ran at a comfortable pace. Cantrell reported, Crom's lead had mushroomed to seven minutes and suddenly he was nearly uncatchable. He pushed one of America's fastest ultra records even further into the realm of unreachable. His new course record time was 4 hours, 12 minutes, 17 seconds. Andy Jones was from Ottawa, Canada and became the most famous runner in the lore of Strolling Jim. During the 1980s, he traveled the U.S. and all over the world competing in marathons. His personal best was 2 hours, 17 minutes at the 1985 Chicago Marathon. At age 28 in 1988, Jones, with only limited training on trails, burst on the ultra scene when he ran Ice Age 50 in Wisconsin. He hung with the overwhelming favorite, Tom Zimmerman, and then set a new Ice Age course record of 5 hours 53 minutes. In 1990, Jones ran 50 miles in 4 hours 54 minutes in Ontario, Canada, just a few minutes off of a world record. At that time, it was the fourth fastest 50 miler ever ran. In 1991, just a few days before strolling Jim, Cantrell received a call from Jones confirming his entry into the Classic Ultra. Cantrell was delighted knowing that Jones had world-class speed. On race day, the weather turned out to be ideal for fast times, warm, cloudy, with a few short showers to cool the runners. Jones took the lead from the start, and after 5 miles in 28 minutes 20 seconds, he had already built up an astonishing 4-minute lead ahead of Crom's early course record pace. He pulled away from the entire field, and no runner ever had sight of him again. The leader vehicles were hard-pressed to stay in the lead, as Jones looked very fresh passing through 15 miles. He hit the 20-mile mark in 1 hour 54 minutes, could the unthinkable be accomplished at Strolling Jim, breaking the four-hour barrier? Hmm? Jones later explained, I realized at the halfway mark that I was having an extremely good day. I figured I ought to try for four hours, since you'll never know when you'll be on like that again. He hit the marathon mark in two hours, 29 minutes. Four hours just might be possible. Cantrell reported, Andy screamed into the walls. The walls had not acquired their reputation by giving ground easily, but Andy Jones's feet weren't even touching the ground anymore. With two miles to go, he was clocking 540 miles, showing no sign of fatigue. Cantrell was ecstatic. A mixture of astonishment and exhilaration was at the finish, as race workers scrambled to prepare for Andy. It actually took a few minutes to convince folks that we weren't joking. Andy was coming home strong. Jones crossed the finish line in 3 hours, 59 minutes, 26 seconds. He smashed Crom's, quote, unreachable record by about 12 minutes and broke the 4-hour barrier. A smile burst across Andy's face, the first change in his expression for the duration of the run. He had done the impossible. Then he leaned over and got sick. Perhaps just to convince us that he was a human. Strolling Jim saw not just a course record, but a redefinition of the race, as Andy Jones put in a run that ranks with the greatest performances of all time.
Jones went on later in 1991 to set a North American 100-kilometer record of six hours 33 minutes on a levee that ran on the east bank of the Mississippi River. You would think that Jones would have continued running ultramarathon distances with that dominant speed and endurance, but he went back to running marathons and was very busy achieving his PhD in chemical engineering. Six years later, in 1997, he again stepped up to running ultras. He went and ran Olander Park 24-hour race and broke the Canadian 12 hours and 100 mile records with 99.25 miles and 12 hours and 5 minutes. Both were North American records at the time. After that, Jones went back to run occasional marathons until 2007. One can only wonder what he could have done if he would have continued running ultras during his prime. For the next three decades, Jones's strolling gym record stood untouched and seemed to be a record for the ages. It was viewed as one of the strongest ultra-running course records ever. Many tried, but never came close. Hoping to attract elite runners, starting in 2015, Cantrell started offering a $1,000 cash award for any runner who would break Jones's course record. Scott Breeden of Bloomington, Indiana finished that year in 4 hours 14 minutes, the fastest time since Jones's record in 1991. Cantrell announced that he would keep adding $1,000 to the award pool until the record was broken. In 2019, Zach Bevan, aged 24, from Lexington, Kentucky, came close, running the second fastest strolling gym 40 ever with a time of 4 hours 7 minutes. So anyway, the course record, there was a guy from Kentucky, which was really neat. His name is Zach Bevan, came in f first at this race, and he had the second fastest overall time of a uh, uh, 4.07 this year. And I thought that was really neat because actually the record was set in, uh, what, the race started in 78, and the record is 3.58, I think, or 3.59 uh, for the 40K, and um, that was set in 1991. And over these years, only one person from the last five years or ten years has even gotten close to that. All the, all the really fast times are back from the 90s. Bevan was an elite marathoner with a PR of 2 hours 18 minutes who competed at the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. He started running at a very early age and had always wanted to run ultras too after reading about the Comrades Marathon, 54 miles, held in South Africa. Uh, I've always been enamored by ultramarathoning. I think my first exposure to it was reading about the Comrades Marathon in like a Runner's World article in like 2006. Um, so I've always wanted to do it. But me and my family took a trip to Crater Lake and I was like, oh, it's like 31 miles around. That's like a 50K. I've never run that far. That sounds fun. I'm going to do that. And then I did that and super duper hurt myself doing it. Strolling Jim was his first race longer than 50 kilometers and his first road ultra. Looking back on his first strolling gym 40, he felt that he lacked the specific fitness to run sub four hours and was, quote, toast after 50 kilometers. He committed himself to tune his training to the 41.2 miles in hilly roads. He set his sights to break the record in 2021. In November 2020, he impressed the ultra-running sport by crushing the Tunnel Hill 50-mile course record with a time of 5 hours and 3 minutes, the fourth fastest American 50-mile time ever. Jim Wansley held the American best at 4 hours 50 minutes, set in 2019. 
Bevan recovered quickly and focused on getting ready for the 2021 strolling gym. The historic race was held on May 1st, 2021. Bevan recalled, Heading into the start line, I was weirdly nervous. I made a point to calm myself. I was fit and knew I had done the work to run well. The weather was ideal with the cool, calm, sunny day with a high temperature in the low 70s. Bevan took the lead from the start and focused on keeping a pace that would hold him for the duration of the race. He flew through the five mile mark in 28 minutes, 30 seconds. With his 2019 experience on the course, he knew when and how to adapt to the hills. When I pressed on the gas just a little at some of the smaller climbs, I noticed that my marathon instincts started to come out. I would start to press just a little and a bit of rhythm started to enter my stride. Bevan swapped fluid bottles with his crew every few miles and reached the 15 mile mark in 1 hour 25 minutes. His legs felt heavy, and he slogged along, not feeling uncomfortable, but lacking in confident strength. He still had more than 25 miles to go, and doubts started to enter his mind. But he attacked the course one mile at a time, and his pace continued to go as planned as he arrived at mile 20 in 1 hour 53 minutes, a few seconds ahead of Jones's record pace. Cantrell observed, It was a privilege to get to watch Zach attack the course. 30 years ago, Andy sliced through the air like an arrow. His feet seemed to barely touch the ground and he went up the hills like they were not even there. Zach attacked the course from the gun and kept up the assault with the tenacity of a bulldog. His style reminded me of Charlie Treyer or Tom Zimmerman. Bevan found a groove. He hit the marathon mark in 2 hours 28 minutes, which was a new strolling gym marathon split record. He recalled, when I made the turn into the infamous walls, I knew I was in a much better spot than I was in 2019. I swapped my bottle with my crew again and drew some energy from their cheers. As I attacked one hill after another, I was shocked and surprised at how well my pace was holding up. He reached the 50-kilometer mark about a minute faster than Jones's record pace with 10 miles to go. In 2019, Bevan's pace floundered at this point, but it didn't falter this time, and he held a pace just under 6-minute miles. Cantrell wrote, The walls make or break runners. When Zach went through the 50k split, you could see he was hurting, but he did not let up intensity one bit. He made his last bottle swap at mile 39 as his crew screamed encouragement. He knew that the record would be his as he continued to run at six-minute pace. The tenths of a mile clicked past agonizingly slowly, and I focused on a building off in the distance that I thought marked the finish line. With 200 meters to go, Bevan found new life in his legs, and he let out a jubilant fist pump as he crossed the finish line in 3 hours, 55 minutes, and 44 seconds, breaking the 30-year-old strolling gym record by nearly 4 minutes. A kind bystander caught him and guided him to a chair. He made sure my jello legs safely found the seat because at this point they were basically useless. He was wearing a gray sub-4 strolling gym shirt, put a medal on me, and as soon as I had my wits about me, introduced himself as Andy Jones. I had obsessed over this record for four years and raced the ghost of this man for four hours, and here he was to congratulate me on breaking his unbreakable course record. It was a special moment.
Cantrell summed up the historic 2021 record. Maybe he was only competing with Andy's ghost, but there was no missing the competitive fire that burned in his heart. I have been lucky enough to see great performances by a lot of great ultra runners at a variety of events. This was among the very best. The classic strolling Jim 40 had been conquered once more. Who will be the next? With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. (laughs) 